tonight as we go to the Word of God, Matthew chapter 6, and we are going to read a very familiar passage of Scripture, verse number 33. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. As we're standing for the reading of the Word of God, we here are in this final phase of this sermon series that we've been preaching on the walk the wisdom and the will of God. And so uh, here a couple of Wednesday nights back, last Wednesday, the Lord had moved in a, in a marvelous way. We didn't get to the Word of God, uh, but uh, we a couple weeks back we were focusing in here on the will of God. Ephesians 5 and 15 had reminded us, and that's been our central text as we've looked out of Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and we have talked about where we see uh, the admonishment come uh, from Paul as he had said that we are to walk in love, we are to walk in light, and we are to walk circumspectly. We're to do so in wisdom, not as fools, but as wise. And therefore, he goes on to say, so that you might know and understand what is the will of of God. And so last, or I'm sorry, a couple weeks ago we had talked about the will of God and we're going to be looking here. We shared three pillars, if you will, in regards to God's will and we're going to pick up here and uh, touch on these, uh, uh, touch on one of these tonight uh, here with the Lord's help. Matthew 6 and 33, if you're there with me, say amen. The Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Somebody say, the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Seek ye first. First things First, amen. Tonight, if we can, for just a few moments, I'd like to preach on advancing the kingdom of God. Advancing the kingdom of God. Can we pray one more time? Father, anoint your word tonight, every heart and every ear. Lord, I pray that we might hear, that we might apply your word, Lord, to our hearts, that we are changed as we have been challenged. And Lord, as always, our prayer is that we can leave here different. Father, as we've been in the Word, as we've been in your presence, Lord, let your anointing rest. Help us tonight, I ask, touch my mind, my lips, Lord, as we deliver the Word of God. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. If I may, I would like to share with you three things once again that uh, we shared here a couple of weeks ago in regards to the will of God. There are a few things that we mentioned and we talked about what God's will is not or what it does not look like or sound like or necessarily feel like. There is a false sense uh, of utopia. 
of uh, there is this uh, idea of everything as perfect, no troubles, no trial, no tribulation. You might as well say in some people's opinion or to hear some preachers preach about the will of God that you might as well hear them say there's no cross to bear don't worry about denying yourself uh, don't worry about taking up that cross and following after Christ denying crucifying the flesh because that, that is things that you will not hear in some people's uh, teaching, preaching, discussion about God's will. So we touched on some of those things that God's will does not look like that and we had uh, and I'm not going to go into all those things that we had talked about but I want to say that we talked on three things as to what if we may lays a foundation for what God's will is. I want to remind you tonight that God's will is not just something that we are out there hoping to do. That it's so mystical that we have to spend all of our lives and at the very end of our life we finally find out what God's will is. Or, or, that, it's, or that it's just uh, beyond us. Well, uh, Brother Jacob, I'm not uh, you know, spiritually elite or I don't have a position. I don't have a title. Uh, Brother Jake, you don't understand the family I came from. Nobody in our family was spiritual. I'm the only one that is born again or our, our family is the only one that serves God and so maybe our family disqualifies us from really knowing what God's will is but I want you to understand and remember tonight is that God's will is not just something that we are aspiring to do but I believe with all of my heart that God's will is also about what we are to be who we are every day how we are living out God's plan and purpose in our lives. Friends, can I say tonight, we must grab a hold of these truths because, Brother Gary, we have to be busy, amen, in our work. We must be consistent in our living and we must realize the night comes, Sister Jerry, when no man can work. The sun is setting on the timeline of humanity. I want you to understand that, that the day is ending quickly as we look at this time of harvest for the church. So what does the will of God look like? What does the will of God correspond as to, as to what we must be doing and, and what we must be pursuing? So here are three things, and let me remind you again of what we've talked about and this is just some things specifically the Lord laid upon pastor's heart some of you could add to or some of you could pose the argument and say well now preacher I think this, this, this and this should be added to that and you're probably right you're, 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 that there would be no argument from me but we're going to 
concentrate on these three things. The first thing that we had said God's will defined would be the advancement of His kingdom. The kingdom of God, His purpose, His plan, His rule and will to be done not only in heaven but also here in earth, in your life and in my life. His will to be fulfilled, His purposes to be embraced and lived out, amen, in our lives as individuals for our families and also as a church body, amen. There is God's will and the advancement of His kingdom. Number two, God's will is always centered around His glorification. I want to remind you that when something is the will of God, it will always bring God glory. There will not be any second guessing. There will not be any doubts about it. The Word of God tells us, Brother Eli, he will not share his glory with no one. He is a jealous God. And I want you to understand, if you look around the landscape of the church today, not just today, but for the last several years, there's been much about humanity advancing their kingdom, men and ministries building their kingdom, and men and women and a church or a name or an organization trying to be glorified. Friends, can I tell you the Word of God still works? That if we want to see humanity come to Him, if we will lift up Christ, if we will preach Christ, if we will live Christ, if we will sing Christ, if we will be what He has called us to be, He said, if I'm lifted up, all men shall be drawn. Amen. Why? Because it is for His glory. Hallelujah. His will always centers around Him being glorified. And then number three, God's will is for the salvation and sanctification of His children through Jesus Christ. How many of you know in this modern day world with all of the opinions, with all of the thoughts, philosophies, and ideas, with all the church memberships, schooling, degrees, all the things that you could get to establish some type of reputation or resume of spirituality, at the end of the day, it still takes the blood. Amen. You will never get around the blood of Jesus. You will never, ever. Oh, I know people will try. I know that folks will try to do it. I know there are some that think they can earn their way, be a member in and and make it to heaven, be a part of a secret society, a religious social club, whatever the case might be, live on the legacy of a family member. But I'm here to tell you that for the preacher... And for everybody else in this building, Brother Chad, it still takes the blood. There's still room at the cross for you and for me. Hallelujah. And so as a result of this, here we are looking at pillar number one. And that is advancing the kingdom of God. 
we find that Jesus is reminding them of this truth. He says, in all that you do, in everything that is to be accomplished, he said, the first thing I want you to seek after is the kingdom of God. I want you to apply your heart. I want you to set your affection. I want you to set your eyes. I want you to look through the lens of Does this advance God's will? Does what I'm doing, does what I'm a part of, does how I'm living, does how I'm serving, do these things get us to the place where the kingdom of God is advanced in the earth? His reign, his agenda. The kingdom of God is defined like this. If you're taking notes, it is the spirit spiritual realm over which God reigns as king and the fulfillment of his will upon the earth. Amen. Let me say that again. A spiritual realm in which God reigns as king and the fulfillment of his will upon the earth. How does God fulfill his will upon the earth? He does through does so through you and I. He does so through his bride the church amen the body of Christ and so tonight can I ask the question can we propose to you tonight this thought and let it set and marinate in your soul how do we take part in advancing the kingdom of God brother Jacob how do I take part in this how do I live this out what is it that we can do may I remind you tonight church member may I remind you is that this is not just an at church mandate what do you mean by that brother Jacob there are some that their only idea of anything spiritually minded is what happens here on a Sunday or a Wednesday there are some that there are there is not the practice there is not the thought there is not the purpose there is not the consistency of a daily walk and we've preached about a walk with God several months back we've covered these things but brother Scott there are some that compartmentalize God and what I mean by that is there are some that say well I will do and I will be and I will behave one way while I'm here but come Monday or Tuesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday well I've got another agenda I've got other things that I've got to do. I've got a preacher you don't understand. Oh, Brother Josh, your argument could be, Brother Jake, you don't understand. It must be nice to be in full-time ministry and all you got is the church world and and helping people and preaching. But what about someone like me? And I go on to the job site and the world is cruel and men's mouths are filthy and people's lives are inconsistent 
And I mean just everything. And it just sticks on you like grime. And you can go home and you can try to clean it off. And I mean, have you ever, have you ever been somewhere? Have you ever been, a, been somewhere to where when you got home and you was getting cleaned up that it wasn't so much that you were sweaty and stinky? But have you ever been in an atmosphere before as to where you're like, man, I just feel like I just kind of got to clean myself up because the world has a tendency to want to hang on you and stick on you and stay with you, stay in your mind and stay in your thoughts and stay in your conversation. And I believe that one place where we as the church have fallen short is because there was a time that for the families that the church was the centerpiece of all activity. It was the hub. Did you know that in the church that the synagogues in the, in the, that we read of in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, that the synagogue was the center for the family. That's where schooling happened. That's where worship happened. That's where conversation happened. That's where men and women gleaned from one another. Spiritual truths were discussed. Their lives, uh, their business, their home, their family, everything centered around that hub. And now we flip-flopped it. Now church is treated optionally. The things of God as if we have time. Situations, I mean, you'd better be sure you announce a revival two months in advance to get anybody to show up. God forbid if a pastor stands up and says we're going to start revival on a Sunday night because we feel that God's wanting to do something. We've invited an evangelist in. Most of the church would go into a panic and say, I didn't have time to prepare. What am I going to do? We got school. We got work. I'm using this as an illustration. What I'm saying is true. But what I'm using as an illustration is God has become secondary. But the Word of God said the first thing we ought to seek, the first priority of the home, the first priority of the person on the pew should be the kingdom of God and His righteousness. God forgive us. We have fallen short in being a part of advancing the will of God, the kingdom of God, because we have been so inconsistent. We have we have compartmentalized and said, this piece of my life here, okay, on this day, God, it's yours. But over here, it's not. In this place, it's not. Well, Brother Jacob, in our defense, I've never said that to God. You don't have to say it. It shows up in our choices. It shows up in our life. It shows up in our schedule. It'll show up just... Follow your check registry. Somebody once said, I'll tell you what's important to you if I see where your money's going. Come on here. Somebody would say, well, I, I, you know, uh, but I've got this. Listen, I understand. I understand. I know. I'm just like you. I, there's responsibilities, there's work to be done, there's children to raise, there's school to do, there's all these things that are going on. 
And there's times by the end of your day you are exhausted. There, It's kind of like a bucket of water. You go to get a scoop out somewhere emotionally and you just hit and bottom sometimes. Sometimes there's just nothing left. Sometimes it's just not there, Brother Keith. I know. I understand. I'm not here to say that we live in a make-believe world as to where there's not, there's not real struggles and things that are going on. But here's what I'm saying is that what would happen in the church what would happen in our lives if we were to start if we were to get our focus again if when we got up there I love the story of the wonderful scientist of Mr. George Washington Carver I mean the man was amazing his study just what he did with the peanut with the sweet potato what he what he did in the areas of plants and vegetation. I mean, his story is tremendous. If you've ever not read anything, it'd be a good history lesson to read about George Washington Carver. He stood before a committee and they was asking him, said, how is it? How is it that you come up with these ideas? How is it you've had these breakthroughs in science? How is it that your work has benefited and contributed to the society as a whole? And George Washington Carver, because he was born uh, with a a, a lung a problem. He was he was uh, nearly he was nearly dead uh, when uh, he was given to the uh, Carver family. And and uh, when when the, when he would talk, they said that he had a high pitched voice, and his lung capacity wasn't very strong. He was a man short in stature and kind of frail looking. But they said he stood there and he stood before that committee and he said, "I'll tell you." how my mind works the way that it does he said I get up early in the morning he said while the birds are still asleep and he said I stand out there and he said Eli he said I look to the heavens and I say Lord what are my marching orders for today where do you want to lead me because that's where I want to follow what do you want to do in me because that's where I want to be who do you want to bring in my path because that's who I want to connect with and he said when you give your day to God before you do anything else he said he will advance you he will guide you he will open doors he will make a way and we sit around and pout and we gripe and we fuss on Facebook how our life is miserable how the world is cruel child of God wake up quit good being in such a place of a pity party and say God give me my marching orders I want to do the will of God I want to advance your kingdom somebody give him a hand of praise tonight the church we must quit sitting around acting like we're waiting on something to happen for us There is a problem when we as God's children, I'm not saying you can't have a bad day. I'm not saying that you can't have times where you need prayer, right? That there aren't times you need encouragement. But the church has fallen into this sad, pathetic condition because we're not kingdom-minded. And we've fallen into this condition. We're sitting around waiting for somebody to come breathe life into us. 
You've heard me say there's a problem if every Sunday that you think it is my duty to perform spiritual CPR on everybody. That is a warped view of what church is supposed to be. There's no life in that. Well, there is life, but Jake, you got to bring us back to life every Sunday. No, ma'am. No, sir. Listen, I know you're going to have difficult days. I know Monday through Saturday is a minefield sometimes. Come on, somebody. I know sometimes we're stepping and we're ducking and dodging and we're praying and we're fasting. And we're saying, Lord, if you don't help me, I don't know how I'm going to make it. But here's what I refuse to do. I refuse to be a part of the body that every time we turn around, we're dead, we're quitting, we're tired, we're wore out. That's not what God God's kingdom's made of. We're talking about soldiers who are called, washed in the blood, full of the Holy Ghost, that have purpose and Holy Ghost power, and that say, God, I might have stumbled, I might have had some bumps and bruises, but I would wonder what would happen this coming Sunday if about 50% of us would march on in here and say, the kingdom of God is at work in my life. And I want to see what God can do. Instead of instead of a pull that comes from the pew that says, What can you do for me? Come on here. What can you do for me? We have lost the blessing of being those who engage to those who want to be entertained. When you reduce church to an entertainment venue, then you diminish the role of God's power in your life. Brother Eddie, you want to know why? This is the longest you've been sober. You want to know why you can stand and testify two years? I don't know if you heard him. Two years clean and sober. But you know what else he said? Two years full of Jesus on fire for God. I'll tell you why. It's because when you get up. And, and I'm, not, I'm not here shining Brother Eddie's halo saying it's perfect every single day. I know he's got struggle. I know he's got heart. He's a man. He's human. But I'll say what it takes is to stay in that frame Brother Eddie. And you don't have to worry about ever going back again. When you can make a up your mind and say I'm going to advance the kingdom of God I'm a child of the king here I am full of Holy Ghost power I'm not going back to that but I'm going to stay consistent would God help us and wake us up again to realize you can stay saved you can serve God you can have a consistent walk with him Advancing the kingdom of God. Seek it first. The problem is it's become fifth, sixth, or tenth on the list. And all this other junk is in front. And then we want to blame God. Then we want to get mad. We want to pout. We want to say it ain't worth it. We want every time we testify 
It's another, I don't know if I can make it testimony. Come on here. You got quiet there, but it's all right. Listen, this is not just an at-church mandate. However, a heart, mind, and a daily lifestyle lived out. Listen, somebody say every day. Every day. Say it again like you mean it. Every day. Every day. The Word of God here says that as we look to know and understand, to understand it, to grab a hold of it, to settle it in your soul, to settle in your soul, a large problem with the church today, and I talk about the church, the church in whole, is the fact that there's this teetering, there's this idea, there's the fence riding, as the old timers would say. There's all these things. And we find that from the Old Testament, Brother Scott, go back to Joshua. Joshua said, you need to make up your mind. He said, if you're going to serve God, then do that. He said, if you're going to serve the gods of your fathers on the other side of the flood, but do that. He said, but as for me and my house, he said, we're going to serve the Lord. You find Elijah who told, them, who told them on Mount Carmel. He said, how long will you halt between two opinions? He said, if God be God, then serve him. And if Baal be God, then serve him. But for, for, for all things good, somebody make up your mind on what you're going to do. John the Revelator then saw the Christ giving the letter to the church at Ephesus. And he said, I have something against you. Because you lost your, you left your first love. He said, I would rather you be hot or I'd rather you be cold. He said, but you're at that temperature that I can't stomach. He said, because you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you. I'll spew you out. Oh, what a graphic scenario, preacher. That don't sound very religious and nice and pretty. Oh, let me just tell you, it makes God sick. Can I say, I don't want to be involved. I don't want to be guilty of making him sick. I want him to see a church, a people, a bride, spotless, making herself ready. I want him to see a church that says, God, here we are and we're ready. We ain't got to be revived every week. We ain't got to be applauded every month. We ain't got to pass out certificates for people to come to church. We ain't got to serve T-bone steaks once a year to have everybody show up and give a big offering. God, help us on the good days and the bad, the mountains and the valleys, the light and the dark, revival or when we're weary. I will serve the Lord. I choose Christ. I will see his kingdom advanced. I will see his kingdom advanced. Understand, he's moving and advancing through us, in us. Some mark big moments, big moments as God's will type moments. Some of us can tell you where we were, what night of the week it was, what time and what place in the carpet we got saved. And that's wonderful. That's a wonderful spiritual memorial to have. I can tell you where I was saved. I can show you in the church in South Roxanne, Illinois, where I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. 
I can show you where I was when I was baptized in water. I can show you what step I was praying on when God called me to preach. I can show you the pulpit where I preached, had the privilege to preach my very first message. There's lots of memorials and memories that I have. And somebody used this analogy. Said those big moments are like bricks, if you will. But the everyday experiences, the everyday decisions of consistency, the everyday decisions of saying, I'm going to serve God, the everyday decisions to wake up and say, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. Brother Torbert, they said, that's like the mortar that holds the bricks together. That's like the mortar that holds it all to where you can build upon it. We look around our lives sometimes, and we look around the church sometimes, and we like to say things like, well, it used to be, or she ain't what she once was, or what? We use all these analogies, all these things. Can I say we need to thank God for the bricks. Thank God for the big moments. Thank God for the times we can celebrate. But can I say if we're going to build something in the kingdom, if we're going to advance something, it's going to take some order. And it's going to take some laying that in between. And brother, uh, Brother Marvin, we stack those experiences upon one another. But it's those everyday moments, Brother Josh, that holds it all together. It's those everyday moments of consistency and the desire to seek his will to seek the kingdom of God is what puts everything together in our lives as we see as we see advancement as we see building as we see growth amen in our lives in our church in the will of God I want you to understand Jesus was always I'm running out of time Jesus was always teaching and showing us the will of God in the daily decisions made through the lens of the kingdom of God. Jesus, as our example, showed us what it was like that every day we see. I want you to notice and remember that even at the tender age of 12, he had told his parents, he said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? We come to find that Jesus... We can look at some significant things, raising Lazarus from the dead, the man at the pool of Bethesda. We can look at the, le- the ten lepers that were healed. We can, look at, we can look at the man who was forgiven of sin and called off of his bed who came down through the roof. We can look at Mary Magdalene who seven demons were cast out of her. We can look and say, man, those are big, big moments. We can look at even crucifixion. We can look at the resurrection. But Sister Torbert, the thing that intrigues me is the details. It's the little things. It's things such as in John 4 and 4 where we find the story of the woman at the well and some people overlook it some don't appreciate it but sister Cindy the word of God said this it said and he must needs go through Samaria what did that mean he said he had a drawing he had a need to go through Samaria sister Anna she didn't know he was coming but he knew she was there and he knew he had to go there it didn't matter the controversy it didn't matter the taboo didn't matter she was with her fifth man and he wasn't even her husband it didn't matter that she was a Samaritan he said I've got to go what does that tell us that tells us brother Eddie that when the father was impressing him that he said I'll go to everybody else that seemed out of the way everybody else that seemed like an unnecessary trip as a matter of fact brother Coleman while he was there talking to her if you read the gospel it says the disciples sat back they didn't say anything to him out loud but they were conspiring in their minds he's talking to this woman he here he is what if somebody 
sees us. I mean, he's going to destroy all the reputation of this ministry. I mean, we already were fighting an uphill battle, and I can't believe he's over here. And I mean, all this is going on. Jesus knew all that, and he shut him up. He kept him silent, Sister Amy. But he had a need. It was when he was walking through, uh, I believe, was it Jericho, uh, as to where uh, he looked up. Is that where Zacchaeus was? Is that where the sycamore tree was? But he was there, and he looked up that day. The Bible said just a small verse, but he's going through the town. And I like to believe, Brother Gerard, that before Zacchaeus ever climbed up in that tree, that God ordained that sycamore to never be tore down. The streets had to be built around it. The businesses had to go around it. But God said one day that sycamore is going to house that little man Zacchaeus and Jesus passing by the way. Everybody else thought it was a stroll. But Jesus got to the tree and he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there. Salvation has come to your house today. The kingdom of God is advanced in the everyday scenario. In the everyday situation. Brother Eli, there's people tomorrow. They think they've got a plumbing problem. They don't know God's man showing up on the job. Come on, somebody. Sister Anna, somebody's wanting a slice of pepperoni pizza. They don't know. There's a born-again woman whose life in the last four weeks has been turned upside down who's going to have something that she could say to him. Come on here. Come on here. Sister Amy, Brother Jeremy was telling me Sunday about all the neighborhood kids that pile into the Blewett house. Sister Amy's eyes just got real big. Brother Jeremy said, I've got some kids that come into the house he said, they'll be there all day. He said, we'll never have a parent stop by. We'll never have anybody check. He said, I had one boy one time. So I looked around and said, well, you know, who do you belong to? <laughs> Where do you go? And he was telling me Sunday, because uh, those boys, they was already conspiring. Can so-and-so come over? Can this one come over? And Brother Jeremy said, that's fine. He said, I'll throw them in that room and shut the door. Let them play. But I told Brother Jeremy, I said, what a blessing. I said, let me tell you something. I said, kids are a good judge of character. I said, you know what else they want, Brother Pickens? Kids want to know they're safe. And kids can pick up on the environment that they're in. And so, Sister Amy, there might be days you're ready to pull your hair out. There might be time all the craziness overwhelms you. But I'm going to tell you, it's not just an average day for some of the kids to pop in at the Blewett house. Because it could be that for the first time all week, that's the safest they've felt. They may not can explain it, but there's something about the presence of God in the house that does something to them, that makes them wish you was there, Mom and Daddy. Make some wish that they could live there I'm here to tell you Sister Torbert I don't know all the people going to be impacted at the hospitals and the doctors and the nurses for every time you cross paths but when we get up and say it's not just another chemo infusion there is an assignment I'm advancing the kingdom of God there's something he has for me to do do you hear what happens? Every place turns into a mission field. Do you hear what happens? You don't look at people the same way, Brother Segura. 
You hear what happens? It's not just a job, Brother Josh. It's not just the co-workers, Brother Gerard. And shame on us if we treat them that way. Shame on us. Sister Laura going in to hook up another respiratory apparatus for somebody. And they're trying to catch their breath, trying to get some comfort. But in walks through the door a young lady who has the breath of God living inside of her. Come on here. Scott, Tracy, Lord knows your jobs are a mission field every single day. Do you hear what pastor's trying to tell you? Don't wait for some sign-up sheet in the back say, well, I can't do anything in the ministry till they put down the sign-up sheet so I can put my name on it and do something. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. What happens in here is 10%. There's 90% that's going on outside of here. How do I advance, Brother Jacob, the kingdom of God? Get a kingdom mindset. Seek you first the kingdom of God. Look at those everyday experiences. Look at those everyday moments. Sister Carolyn, if you'll come. I know. Right now, you're like, whoo, man, I'm ready. Tomorrow, I'm winning 500 people to the Lord Jesus. I know that the day is going to bring the challenges. I know that there's times. I don't feel like it now, but earlier, Brother T, I thought if I just sat still enough somewhere and closed my eyes, it would be over. Tired in body. But... There are times as to where tiredness, frustration, all of these things. We must, Sister Gloria, get ourselves to think about what is the kingdom agenda today? God, what do you have for me? God, who are you putting in my path? God, what are these everyday experiences? Let me be tender. Let me be prayerful. Let me be a man and a woman of worship and the word. As to where I can be sensitive. As to where I can fulfill. Brother Andy, there's a classroom full of kids looking, literally looking up to you. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. Advancing the kingdom of God. And guess what? God wants to do it through you. Through you. Can we pray? Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you for every heart and life. And I thank you, Lord, for every opportunity. Lord, we don't always see it. Sometimes we're overlooking it. A lot of times we don't appreciate it. Many days, Lord, we are intrigued with our own agenda our own plans what we are going to do Lord I pray tonight that our hearts are challenged Father that every day that we can start with seeking the kingdom of God 
What should be the attitude of my heart? What should be the conversation on my lips? How, Lord, would you have me to be a man, a woman who possesses self-control, wisdom, to be a person of character and integrity, to do my best to live in excellence for you today? Lord, who is it that you want to put in my path? What door do you want me to walk through? What conversation needs to be had? What act of kindness needs to be done? I pray it challenges. For Lord, we want your will fulfilled upon earth in our lives. The realm of heaven in which you abide, its purpose, its agenda, its plan fulfilled in us, through us. And Lord, I pray you would challenge every heart in life. When we grow weary, when we grow tired, when we grow frustrated, I pray that you would help us to be kingdom-minded. Help us to realize this is bigger than just at-church events. But Lord, this is everyday living. This is everyday moments. Lord, I'm thankful that you are the Lord of moments, everyday moments, moments that seemed out of the way, moments that seemed controversial, moments that seemed like nobody else had time, but Lord, you had time. Let us mimic that. Let that be exemplified in us. Father, challenge our hearts. Tonight, this altar calls Simple Church. If you'd say, Lord, help me. Help me to be kingdom-minded. Help me to seek kingdom agenda. I want to be a part of advancing the kingdom of God every day. I want to be a vessel. I want to be used. I want to be clay in the potter's hands. Here I am, Lord. You know where I'm limited. You know my weaknesses. You know my frailties. But nonetheless, here I am. Use me. Make me, mold me, teach me, help me. If that's your heart tonight, can we come? Before we leave this house, can we spend some time in His presence? Can we spend some time at His feet tonight? Can we spend some time to say, Lord, would you help me? Lord, help me to be a part, oh, of advancing the kingdom of God. Help me, Lord, let the kingdom of God be alive and well in me. Let revival be alive and well in me. Oh, let the power of God be at work in my life. Help me today, Lord.